Keeping Up with the Chaldeans. I'm Junior Bindu, along with my co-host, Anthony Toma. And today we've got Mark Cassa from Slight Return. It's a music group that has been around and actually has uh, furthered their their lineup with uh, what they've got for the general public to listen to and currently signed to a uh, part of Universal Music. Mark, how are you doing today, brother? Good, good. Thanks for having me on the show. Good, good to have you, man. Good to have you. And you want to let us know uh, what started Slight Return or what got you into music, and we'll go from there. Sure. Well, I actually, in uh, 1990, I uh, made kind of a bold move, especially for Chaldeans at the time. Going, to, I went to music school in Hollywood. I moved okay. to L.A., went to music school at Musicians Institute. Awesome school. And uh, caught tons of hell from the relatives. You know, we're Chaldeans. We got nothing mm-hmm. to do with music. So yep. it was like, or traveling. <laughs> you know, it's yeah, like, or traveling. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, especially back then. Now yep. you're allowed to go away to college and this yep. and that. Back then it was like, no, no, man. You ain't going nowhere. Got time off. You got uh, spring break. You come to work. We need you to put up aisle five. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I was to the point. You know, we were working a lot of hours and doing this. I really wanted to study music. I'm like, you know what? If this is going to be my life, I, I just couldn't hang with the the fact that this is it. Yeah. Just work, go home, <laughs> work, come home. And I wanted to learn about music, and that was the school because it was in the middle of the music industry in Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of great artists, when they're off tour, the cool part is the rhythm section would come in and we get to jam with them. Like I got to jam with Prince's Band, with The Time, with Sheila E., uh, we'd come to the school. We wouldn't play one of their songs. We'd yeah. play like a James Brown tune or whatever. But it was great. You got to work with people that were already in the industry making mm-hmm. it. Uh, completely different than the music school, formal music school route where, um, you know, you get like one recital a quarter yeah. and this and that. This was – you can perform on the main stage on a daily basis multiple times yeah. to hone your skills. That's cool. Um, work with a lot of great people. 50% of the school is from outside the United States. Sweden, Switzerland. I've met kids from Iceland, and uh, it was just a great uh, mix and, and an eye opener. And yeah. Being a Chaldean kid who worked on Linwood and Davison my whole life, and and you know I saw different parts. It was kind of funny actually. You go to Detroit Catholic Central, so you see one part of society. Then yeah. you go to Linwood and Davison, you see another part of society. <laughs> so and then I go to the school, and a I'm much getting different world, getting people from all over the world, which is yeah. a right. great eye opener for me. Sure. Uh, so I graduated from there. I came back and started a band called Tower, which lasted maybe, uh, I don't know, maybe a couple of years. And mm-hmm. we cut an album. And, and in fact, I, I was, you know, I didn't even realize the significance. Our first album we recorded was on Reel to Reel at Grand Funk mm-hmm. Railroad Studio. We had 10 platinum albums, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then after that, I wanted to do my own thing. So I started Slight Return in like 1994, 95. Okay. And we were a three-piece. My best friend from grade school high school, college. He went to the Wayne State Music School. I went to MI, and then we, we started the rock thing with the band. We were a lot more a lot more experimental, a little more, you know, more uh, rap rock kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. So we took a Cypress Hill tune called Make a Move, mm-hmm. and we it's like a real laid-back kind of groove thing, and we yeah. made it into like a Rage Against the Machine-style tune. Hmm. My buddy who played drums and sang sounded so much like Zach DeLaRocca from Rage. He was unreal. Yep. So we got offers from Sony. Who are Sony. these two guys? Do you want to name them? Oh, yeah, yeah. Mark Dabrowski was on bass, but Alberto Rosell, who was my best friend, he was on drums and he was on vocals. Where is he now? Uh, he passed away. Oh, sorry. So I was going to get to the story. So we, so we had offers from Sony, from Atlantic, and from Sanctuary Group. Two-year deal. They own you, your likeness, your image, your name, your music. You know how mm-hmm. it is when they mm-hmm. – Sure. So – I didn't take the deal because my kids were young, and I'm like, I'm never going to get these years back. When they're, these are such important years when they're small, and I'm yep. not going on the road. And I, you know, a lot of people criticize me for that. I didn't care. Yeah. Shortly after we we're in the studio cutting the EP, Al started feeling sick. Uh, he was just had this cough, lingering cough. We didn't think it was nothing. We said, "Go in, maybe he got pneumonia. Ends up having four stage cancer." Mm. He wow. passed away. I quit playing music for about a year. And my wife kind of got on me. She's like, you know, you, you know, mm-hmm. you better start playing again. You're a different person. Yeah. Play. It's part of me, you know? Yeah. yeah. I'm like, well, he sang. I mean, I wrote the music, but he sang. I never sang or done this or that before. And she's like, well, you're a smart guy. You'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. So yep. got together with a buddy of mine that was like, he, he's like, I play a little bass in the church band. So we put a drum machine on and started I had to figure out how to play guitar and do vocals at the same time and yep. all that stuff. 
Uh, and then uh, Bishop Francis, with the time was Father Frank, referred me to a Keldian guy uh, that, like Led Zeppelin and stuff like that, was a drummer, Ronnie Carmel. So he became part of the band. Nice. And we added Tony Mitchell on percussion. And and then we cut an album called Corporate Pig. As you know, I don't like big corporations. <laughs> <laughs> so you can see it right there, the album cover. Uh, and then we started getting... You know, we started getting some recognition. We played at, uh, we got gigs at DTE, mm-hmm. uh, playing with CCR and with Tesla. And we played at Freedom Hill and we played at the Soundboard. And we've been on Comcast Concert TV and the national broadcast. Mm-hmm. And we've been, you know, just kept plugging away, doing what I do. So we cut that album. Then we cut another album, Information Overload. Actually, we had two albums before this, too. Mm-hmm. So then we had Information Overload I recorded with your brother, Omar. Yep. We, that was like a two two year project, you yeah. know, because we moved studios, of course, switch studios. What goes into uh, creating an album for those out there that want to kind of follow follow your blueprint? Yeah, so, I mean, it is a, it's a kind of a tedious process, but mm-hmm. it's a labor of love. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, of course, you start writing the music and you start refining, refining, refining till you get to where you're like, okay, I'm happy with this. The hook is strong, the music's strong, and then. I don't like to waste money in the studio. I'm not a guy who goes to the studio and writes in the studio because you waste sure. a ton of money for nothing. They're expensive. Right. Everything's all set. We have a ton of rehearsals. We're prepped when we walk in. And we have all, you know, primetime players that are, know what they're doing. So we go in. We generally like to record live off the floor. It's very rare that we play to a – we have a, a click underneath. Yep. I like the live feel when you're in the studio. Mm-hmm. So you record all that. That's – Step one is getting somebody who's good at capturing the tracks. Make sure they got things mic'd. If I have my guitar amp, I might run one line out of the amp out of my guitar direct, one through a ribbon mic, one through like a you know like a SM58. So there's three different sounds. Then I take everything and you know there's like whatever seven, eight, ten mics on the drums. Sure. Then I take all those tracks and I work with a guy in Seattle named Jack and Dino. Jack recorded like Nirvana, Soundgarden. He's considered the Godfather of grunge. Wow incredible producer incredible i met him through a friend of mine another chaldean guy rich mansoor another Mm -hmm. rarity in the music biz Hmm. uh who's connected me to him and so i go to seattle or we've recorded directly in a studio in seattle too i sit there with him at the board i'm the producer we mix down all the tracks that's Mm -hmm. a whole nother skill is the mixing and the editing and lining everything up correctly and adding the effects and your levels and all that Mm -hmm. once we're done with all that then it goes to another guy in Seattle, Chris Hanzik, who is also the other guy that broke all the grunge bands in Seattle. Yeah. Uh, but he's got a great mastering studio, which is a completely different skill. Yep. People think like one guy can do this. No, you know, no, that. no, no, no. I've seen it, so I understand what you're saying. Especially mastering. Mastering will make or break yep. your album. If you have too much compression, mm-hmm. it's ruined. Yep. <laughs> if it's like, yep. if there's peaking, too much compression. Bass, trouble, the sounds can be off, definitely. And if... You know, so that's a, that's another skill in itself, another really, really great skill. So Chris, I trust him with mm-hmm. everything. Uh, and then after that, you go to pressing and setting up your liner notes and all the details and yep. artwork, artwork and, and all that. It's a process. Yeah. So what what gets you to start the the understanding of what your budget's going to be for the project itself? Because I've heard so many times. I mean, artists have varied from X amount of dollars all the way up to seven figures. You know, you know, with with well, it. so what makes the difference, and how do you prepare for that? I think the difference is that I'm lucky enough where because I've learned everything the hard way. Yeah, it's. I mean. No, I've done everything. No, it's easy. Yeah, I've done everything wrong. Yeah, so yeah, I've yeah. learned how to do everything right from doing. You know, that's a huge key factor with yeah. Chaldeans. I, I, I give us credit. We like to stumble upon. I mean, we like to trip over our own faults and problems, and then we figure it out, and we're running. You Dude, know? anybody who's succeeded has failed ten thousand times. Yeah, you know, yeah. you got to get used to failing, and you got to get used to rejection because that's just part of the process. But there's a especially old saying, with yours though, with your oh, industry music? and entertainment industry. It's almost secondary till it becomes and, primary. And you got to stay level head. Like there's an old saying that says, don't let success get to your head. Don't let failure get to your heart. You're going to get knocked down a million times. Yep. And there's times you're going to have a little success. Don't get don't yeah. get arrogant about yeah. it. Keep it cool. Stay and when humble. things go bad, don't get too down about it. Don't live there. Come back up. And uh, That's a great <clears> saying. So, I mean, it, that's always been my theory. People that know me know one thing about me. Mm-hmm. I don't quit. Good. <laughs> I don't quit. Good. Like, 
You're not supposed to. No, things happen. You got, you got a whole life to live. Like, you know what I'm saying? At any point in time, anything can come in and turmoil arises. But you got to just jump that roadblock and just go. And you know what? You're going to get old either way. So you might as well do something you enjoy while you're getting old. Or you could not do do nothing and get old. So you exactly. got your choice, you know? Yeah, it's exactly true. So back to that. like, So the budgeting part of it after you get everything. Oh, so the budgeting. Out. So yep. I've been lucky going back to that. The budgeting, I've been lucky because I'm the producer. I'm the writer. I'm... I handle all the hats and every single thing sure. from A to Z. Okay. So luckily, everything I've done, even when I went to Universal, they didn't have to spend any money on me because everything was done correctly. Mm -hmm. um, but if you have to go now, the price gets pricey when you go. Okay, now I got to hire this engine. You know, I got to yep. hire this guy to do this. Now I got to hire that guy for that. I got to hire an executive producer. I got to mm -hmm. hire. Now is where the project gets crazy. Yep. Or let's say like Queen. They want to layer 500 vocal tracks. That's going to take time and it's going to take mm -hmm. money. Mm -hmm. You know, it depends on your project, how in-depth, how many songs. Sure. But you control the budget by how prepared you are. Okay. And does it make a difference from, like, one genre to the next? Like, does it matter that rock to classic rock to rap? Like, does it does usually your budgets vary or is there more intense work from one genre to the next? Absolutely. Absolutely. Depends on your genre. Like, rap is going to take – it takes less budget because you got somebody that's in front – the most of the beats are – they're uh, canned beats. You know what I mean? You yep. don't have a drummer. Sure. So you're using a drum machine and you're using samples. So now you, that just cuts four or five people out of the picture. You know, with me, I've got – you know, a guitar, bass, drums, percussion. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of instruments you have yep. to work with. Now, when an orchestra records, imagine that. Yes. You know? <laughs> so then yeah, you're touching on that. So I had a friend of mine, um, Terry Simon. He used to mm -hmm. um, be a part of Pearl Sounds. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Which is the studio on, on Ford, Ford Road. Road and Beck. Yep. It's a... One of the most amazing. Chuck Alcazian owns it now. Chuck, Chuck's yeah. still there. Chuck's still a friend of yeah. mine. Um, great studio. Anthony, they can put a 50-band live percussion happening and do the um, sounds. It's built so beautiful wow. that the airport is near there, right? You can't hear anything. You cannot because they took the mounds of dirt and they mounded them in a particular way on the outside parameters of the building. So when the planes flew over, what he's talking about, compressions and all that, away. it it kills it. So no vibrations come in. So when they're recording, it's not taking and rattling yeah, mics. It's got anything. a good main room with a high ceiling. Yes. And yes. then and same with United Sound in Detroit, which is where I recorded the Welcome to the D and Vicious Tides yep. albums there. It's got a good or I'm sorry, Welcome to D I recorded at Ghetto Recorders. Uh Vicious Tides. It's got a very nice high ceiling where you can get where the when the levee breaks drum sound mm -hmm. that Zeppelin got. Mm -hmm. Huge main room. Marvin Gaber it's in fact, you know, everybody knows about Motown. Yeah. Nobody talks about United. Miles Davis, Muddy Waters, Marvin Gaye, Red Hot Chili Peppers, Aretha Franklin, Parliament Funkadelic. What a lineup. Yeah. Uh, oh, man, I can't even name. The, the list is crazy. In fact, when I recorded with Santana's guys, with, with Andy Vargas, the singer, I purposely took him there because Marvin Gaye recorded the What's Going On album there. So oh, yeah. I said, One that's of my like, favorites. That's like taking me to Electric Ladyland, Hendrix's place in New York, you know? So the history in that place is incredible. But, you know, again, the, the budget depends on what you need, your specific purpose, and mm -hmm. how prepared you are. But if you're not prepared and you go in the studio. You're blowing budget. And you're ready for band fights. <laughs> you're going to be arguing in the studio right. over what happens where. So after it's in the can or wherever, uh -huh. wherever you put it these days, the uh, case or whatever, what happens next? Like how do you get it out there? Yeah. Well, it used to be with CDs you got distribution, mm -hmm. which was nice. When there were hard copies – a band actually made money. <laughs> so yeah. now it's streaming. You, I believe you get right now four one-thousandths of one cent per stream. So every 4,000 wow. spins, you get a penny. Okay, so Jeez. it's either four. It might. Some of them are less. Some are seven one. I mean, uh, like less than that, less than four one-thousandths. Compared so to. So you make a quarter a year. <laughs> yeah, you know, compared to like what back in the days you would an album would cost you nine ninety nine to thirteen yeah, ninety nine sell it the yeah. artist would get a buck or two bucks yep, off right. of every sale right the the you know and artists were going double platinum triple platinum yeah. so they got two three million dollars yeah plus their signing bonuses and everything up front the album it used to be the tour was support for the album yep now. The tour. album is just advertising for the tour. tour. Yeah. But that's why ticket prices are insane. You know, I was looking at ticket prices in our, in our city because there's a monopoly on the entertainment industry. Yep. If you look at prices in Detroit mm -hmm. compared to the city before after, it's sometimes four to eight times the price. Wow. Here? Yeah. yeah. Because there's one Well, there's one family that owns the entire entertainment industry here. Illiches. Illiches own everything. So I, w I was showing people for like Kiss was in town. I'm not a Kiss fan, but I was, you know, showing yeah. – the top ticket was four thousand five hundred a ticket. 
Then add on your fees for, for That's ticket. That's from the box office? From the box office. I screenshotted off their site. Wow. It went 4500 3500 3000 2000 1000 I'm like, what is this? Did is some, like insanity. Some groupies come with that? I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, what is this insanity, man? And then you look, the highest ticket the next night was like in Cleveland or something like 600 bucks for meet and greet, which is still crazy. But when you look compared... Uh, but these ticket prices have gone crazy because there's too many hands in the pot now. Yeah. So before, the record label said, we made money on you guys. The album's selling for 15 bucks. You get a dollar. We get 14 We're cool. Go on tour. You can keep your money. Now, the record label's not getting anything Change off that. Up. So they go, we do a 360 deal. We're going to get part of your touring. And then you got these venues that are jacking up the price. The artist is getting a sliver. That's why a T-shirt's 50 bucks. Yeah. That's why tickets are 500, 800, 1000 bucks a show. But what's crazy is when you when you get to know all that in numbers like that. Man, AT, remember when we used to grow up, we were going to concerts, right? And you were as well too. The stadiums were were filled, sold oh, yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. So now you got somebody like Big Sean is a big artist here in our town. He comes over to Palace. They cut it to a portion of it. This is when uh-huh. the Palace and he, they're like 8,000 or 15,000 people like would sold out. It's like, wow, it's like what yeah. do you yeah, mean? T- like, that's nothing. What's his name? T-Pain? Right, right. He's, yeah. he, just, he just was on TV talking about it. He, he, he lost on his... He, he canceled his tour. And he said, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. He yeah. said, the label is telling me to lie and say mm-hmm. that you, I was sick or whatever. He yeah. goes, no, we didn't sell tickets. Yeah. Yeah. It's not easy. It's not easy to fill these stadiums. Touring is way... I mean, learning from Universal. It's different. Touring is down. Profitability is way down. Now, on the flip side, um, we're trying... To make a difference with like I'm a district advocate for the Grammy Awards. Okay. So I met with the, our Michigan rep. I represented the state of Michigan. Mm-hmm. Met with the rep, and we got a law passed to try and help, to try and increase revenues for artists. Sure. Uh, we're working on things trying to change the industry because, you know, you got these gigantic things like Spotify that are raking in billions. Title. And Apple what does music, the artist get? Nothing. Nothing. Peter Frampton, forty million spins of "Baby I Love Your Way." I think he got fifteen hundred bucks. You know, it's like. Are you kidding me? Yeah, yeah. That's that's what the the state of the. You're better off working at my store. (laughs) I'm serious. Like with all that, that's crazy. And 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 with um with with the change of that, like obviously the 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 money plays a big part of it. So how do these like so why do these like streaming services keep popping up? And like why do you have Tidal? Why do you have Apple Music, Spotify, Pandora? And it's like then who's giving them the rights to the music? Right. And then how do they earn well, with the rights? Well, I think it's more of the artist really doesn't have a choice right now. So it's it's like they where are you going to go for distribution? But what they what the artist is why? doing now if you notice, <clears throat> they're trying to become more of a brand. Right. So they're making money on the, on sponsorships, yes. that type of thing. Yep. So you got to now you have to just you have to learn how to spin the game yeah. in your favor. Yep. Hip hop's notorious for that. Oh yeah, they're, they're great. They're the I best mean, they marketers the, there are ever. Best shoes, marketers. jewelry, uh, clothing, whatever it is. Come like up that. with a catchy name. Yeah. Come much with this image. That's why you know? you know. Listen, that's my genre of music is hip hop. That's why a lot of hip hop artists started with hip hop and turned into movies because the money wasn't being made much yeah. anymore onto the uh, record sales like it was before. Man, I remember I used to stand in front of Harmony House on yep. Orchard Lake Road mm-hmm. between 14 and 13. My my mom would go to TJ Maxx across the street, drop me off at. Harmony House to yep. wait in line to get whatever album or cassette was dropping at that Saturday morning. Yeah, there was a record that. store on 13 in, in Orchard too by Abbey Road, the, yeah. the, the uh-huh. uh, arcade, and there was I forgot the name of the record store that was there, but yeah, but yeah, the industry's changed. But I, you know time. what, I got a passion for music, man. It yeah, so how does it keep you moving? How do you <clears throat> encourage? Is that what you flowed into? So I like to get into. Um, some of the top songs that you've got out there and then sure. running into where all this extra stuff came in, the sure. D, the clothing and all that. So let's get into some of the stuff that made your, um, to the uh, charts recently. Yeah. Yeah. So it's been, I mean, obviously a very long process and I never really thought about making it into the charts or anything. I mean, don't be wrong. I've always been ha- working hard trying to get heard. Sure. Uh, I met a guy that was working indirectly with or with Universal named Tom McDonough. He says, mm-hmm. I can get your stuff to Universal. And I was like, oh, yeah, you can, right? You know, you kind of doubt. Because I've dealt with so many people. I had a release in the UK, and they weren't able to break it into the charts, uh, some of my other music. And so he says, yeah, I can get you on the radio with, with Universal. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we started talking, and he started connecting the dots for me. Uh, and we started a label called RL Recordings, and we're connected to MI5 which is run by a guy named Ted Mason, who um, he was the bass player for Modern English. Mm-hmm. And then 
start talking. They said, hey, man, I got this. Tom pushed my music to Universal because they don't they ain't taking a guy who's 51 years old. <laughs> That's the one. Yeah. And they're not releasing rock. Yeah. It's more about hip hop and pop. And uh, he pitched it to him the right way and said, hey, we got Santana Singer on here. You know, let's push this thing. And it's the way Universal marketed it. They used Ariana Grande's marketing team. And then they they marketed it by taking my song, which features Santana's singer. And when they Santana came out with a new album called Africa Speaks, when they played a Santana song on the radio, they played our song right behind it. Okay. That's how they marketed it because the Santana fans are going to be into hearing another, uh, you know, one, the singer from the band on the, on the next tune. So they marketed that. We were in the charts, believe it or not, for five and a half months. Great. Which is a long, even for national artists is like. Yeah, that's awesome. Unheard of. Yeah, there, mm-hmm. there's guys that last two, three weeks in the charts, whatever. Um, and we peaked at number 13. Mm-hmm. We were beating out some, I mean, there was weeks we were beating out some huge bands. We beat out Greta Van Fleet, Jack White and the Rockin' Tours, Panic at the Disco, yeah. Imagine Dragons, Breaking So this Benjamin. is recent then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, yeah. this was just in the last month, yeah. month and a half. And then oh. Warrior Soul came out five weeks ago. And that's still in the charts right now. We peaked at number 15. Yeah. And we're still doing well. In fact, when that song came out, Universal, uh, they told me that. They said, well, just don't, we don't want to disappoint you. They go, we don't, this song's not as good as the other one. So we, we may break the top 50. We don't know. Second weekend, we're at number 15. Hmm. Wow. So we're happy about that. We're working on a third release now. Um, and then going backwards a little bit, I came out with a welcome, this Welcome to the D album. Yep. Uh, which features George Clinton from Parliament Funkadelic on there. He's in the funk, you know, funk icon, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I got uh, Billy Cox from Jimi Hendrix's band on there. In fact, we recorded together, and he invited me to go on the Experience Hendrix tour and stay in Nashville record album. I'm like, dude, I can't stay for three months, but you just validated my career by asking mm-hmm. me, yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, I'm sponsored by the same guys, uh, Shania Univibe Company, which sponsors the Experience Hendrix tour, and, you know, with Kenny Wayne Shepard and Eric mm-hmm. Johnson, all these guys. Uh, I got Dennis Coffey from the Motown Funk Brothers on there. Uh, we've got uh, Davey Pattison from Robin Trower's band, Tony Green, who played with Snoop Dogg, Dr. Dre, Death Row Records. Wow. Um, and that album was actually, it was great. A guy named Rich Mansour was introduced to mm-hmm. in California, Chaldean guy. Mm-hmm. Awesome guy. Awesome, incredible person. A buddy of mine. Well, I thought I had an environment. Maybe that's Rich. <laughs> yeah. So, so <laughs> he heard us. Man, I thought, sorry. It's okay. Right. No big deal. I thought I had it off. So uh, I got introduced to him by Ivan Nager, who's a Chaldean guy who's a drummer. Ivan, I know. Yep. So he's like, eh, you guys are both rockers. You'll probably get along. So Rich uh, records strictly analog, real to real. Had a really cool studio. Mm-hmm. He called me up and said, hey, man, we got this guy who's a world record holder in the Guinness Book for Breaking Bricks. They call him Big K, Kevin Taylor. Can you write a song for him? We tried a couple bands here. Mm-hmm. They couldn't do nothing. He goes, you write high-energy stuff? This. I said, yeah, of course I can. So a couple weeks later, he called me up. He said, I said, I'm all right, I'm ready, let's go. He's like, oh, you're done? I said, yeah, we're ready, let's go. So he says, okay, I'm going to send you. He says, can you just, as long as you're going in, why don't you just write a few more songs? We'll send you to do an EP to Ghetto Recorders in Detroit. That's a guy named Jim Diamond. He recorded this White Stripes, first two albums. And uh, the album, the, that album, I wanted to be a little grittier. So we, he sent me to Jim Diamond. The store was old chicken. I mean, this, the studio was an old chicken processing plant. And it was like black mold, asbestos. So, and the, the floor was slanted. So when they slaughtered the chickens, the blood would go down the drain. Well, that's where the band sets up. <laughs> so <Nice>. so <clears throat> I went in. We cut like four songs. I sent him to Rich. He's like, man, I love this. He goes, why don't you just go cut an, the full album? Four more songs, we'll cut a whole album. So I get done with those songs. I go, yeah, okay, no problems. So I wrote four more tunes, go back in, cut those. We're ready to release the album. And then uh, I told the guys in the band, I'm like, I go, man, I said, uh, I go, how, I said, how cool would it be if we get Billy Cox on here from Jimi Hendrix's band, the last guy from Hendrix's yep. band? We do one cover on the album. They laughed at me. They go, yeah, keep, keep dreaming. Uh-huh. My thing is, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. no. Yeah. So I went online. I found uh, his Facebook page. I e- I sent him a message. They said we get offers from tons of national people to record with. Not interested, but just send us what you got anyway. We'd like to hear it. Send it to him. A few hours later, I get a phone call. Hi, this is Brenda Carnell. I'm Billy Cox's manager. She goes, "What kind of guitar do you play?" I'm like, uh, "Parker Fly." Why? She goes, "Somebody wants to talk to you." All of a sudden, "Hey, Mark, how you doing? This is Billy Cox." Uh-huh. I'm like what? And he's, he's like, "Man, I love this zoo on here." I say, "Yeah, why?" He goes. 
It was Thursday. He goes, can you be in Nashville Sunday at 1 o'clock for a session? So yeah, I'll be there. He goes, I mean, you're recording my album? He goes, yeah. He says, I'll record the album. We want, I want to talk to you. So okay. So cruise down there on Saturday night. Get there like 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. Sleep a few hours. Go into his private studio. You walk in. It's just him, the engineer, and his wife. And I walk in. They go, you're the guitar player we've been looking for. I'm like... I look behind me. I'm like, Who are you talking to? <laughs> so that's when they invited me to go on the Experience Hendrix tour and record an album with him and go on his tour. I'm like, dude, I can't stay that long, man. But uh, wow, I'm sorry. And then, then we ended up recording. We had a great. I mean, you know how big of a Hendrix fan I am. Yep. I have license plates J yes, Hendrix. Yes, you do. <laughs> so yes, you do. We talk. I got some. We had this awesome time talking Hendrix stories and mm-hmm. everything. It's just a freaking great, great time. I'll never forget it. Get back home and the guys were tripping out that I had Billy Cox on the album. And then I go to him, you know what? I go, this album needs George Clinton. They go, come on, you got lucky. <laughs> yeah, like, There's no freaking way. Now you're pushing it. it. Yeah. I'm like, well, again, you don't ask. The answer's always no. So I, again, I email this management, and you know George is like an icon, man. Yes, I mean, he getting is. Home Even for Detroit, he is. Worldwide, he's. But I'm saying it, we we love him. Oh yeah, his, yeah. The sounds of the funky, funky George Clinton, dude. When you say his name, even like in the UK or whatever, they like trip out, hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Contact his management, the same th- answer. We get a million offers from National Acts. You know, you see me records like Snoop Dogg, these guys, and we don't work with any of them. But send us what you got. I send it to them. They go, George likes this. <laughs> they, said, they go, he's flying in. It was it was uh, a Monday. They said he's flying in Thursday to the TV lounge in Detroit, you know, off of Grand yeah, River. Yeah, yeah. They go, he's flying in for a Red Bull appearance. It starts at midnight, goes till noon the next day. He'll be there about 1 in the morning. He won't work with anybody unless he meets him in person and sees if he likes him first. Okay, I'll be there. So I go dressed up in, like, business attire, you know, collared shirt, pants, everything. It's a club, you know. Yeah. They're all clubbing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm with my buddy. George walks in at 1 o'clock with his entourage. He's got a silver silk suit on, <laughs> hat, like 30 people with him. They go right to the dressing room. And um, I look at my buddy. I go, Dude, there's no way I'm I'm not getting near him, you know? <laughs> right. So I walk up. To the, there's two security guards at the door, and I just walk up and go, hey, how's it going, guys? They go, oh, good. Come on in. They thought I was his manager. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I walk in the dressing room. George said, hey, George, what's up, man? Everyone's looking like, who the hell is this Yeah, guy? yeah. I'm like, dude, I got this album. I, I go, I got Billy Cox on here, this guy, Dennis Coffey. I go, this album needs George Clinton. So I'm talking, talking. Finally, he goes, all right. He goes, I'm playing your record. I don't know if he's BSing me yeah. to get rid of me or what. <laughs> I walk out. My buddy goes, what happened? I go, I don't know. I don't know if he's just trying to get rid of me or what. I go back home. Great story. The next day, his manager sends me a message. He goes, hey, man. He goes, George doesn't even like half percent of the people. He likes you. Go record with him. Then after that, I had to watch their tour. I watched, three months later, they were coming to Detroit. So I booked United Sound. It was They were doing a gig on a Saturday. I booked United on Sunday from like 12 to 6. I mm-hmm. played, paid for everything up front. So I told his manager, will you guys be in town that Sunday? He goes, yeah, we will. So I booked the studio. I call him. I go, okay, studio's booked. He goes, well, George, he may or may not be there. I'm like, oh, man, I already paid. Pull up to the studio. Sunday at noon, I walk in. He's there waiting for me. Jeez. I was like, there's no way, you know? (laughs) And he was doing a concert on Saturday Saturday. night, and he was still there at the studio on Sunday. So Sunday, he went there, and and so we recorded our songs. Yeah, and then... To make it even better, so I wrote the lyrics for the song. I had the song already recorded, the lyrics, everything, and, and I'm giving him, I'm coaching him on the lyrics, which is weird because I'm nobody. Yeah. He's in the freaking Hall of Fame. Yeah. I'm coaching my lyrics, and he listens to me singing the verses. He goes, Oh, no, that ain't going. I go, What do you mean? He goes, That's that Detroit sound. He goes, You staying on the verses on there. So I sing with him on the songs oh, too geez. now. So there's no better evidence than recording with him. And then. Then later I got him, we recorded two videos. He was coming back to town to do a book tour uh-huh. at, uh, and he was going to the Detroit Public Library. Yep. And, uh, or the DIA, yep. I'm sorry. So I booked the Masonic Temple studio and called our friend Wilson Sarkis. I said, we're gonna shoot a video sure. with this guy, blah, blah, blah. We got all set up and shot two videos with it. I only had him for three hours. So I w- did all the B-roll footage ahead of time, came the night before, set up, slept like sure. an hour. Yep. And then the minute he walked in, we shot all of his stuff for both videos, and I took him back to the hotel. And then we got, so I got two videos with George Clinton, too. Nice guy. Oh, man, he was really cool to work with. Really cool guy. Because I was worried. I'd heard the horror stories yeah. when he was on, you know, heavily but into drugs. Good but. for good for you, though. You weren't starstruck, and you still hand up professionally. Some people get, you know, starstruck and just, you know what I'm saying, like a deer with headlights. and don't He was in business mode. Yeah, he was Dude, in business mode, which you have to be. You can't. You have to. Listen, when we were in the studio with, 
with even Dennis and Andy. Dennis is a legendary drummer. I mean, mm-hmm. legend. And Andy, you know, again, he plays with Santana, so he's in front of twenty to 100,000 fans every night. I'm telling them what to do. They're telling me, what do you want here? I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, this is what I want here. Yeah, this yeah. is what I want there. You're confident, though. Yeah, I've done it enough, you yeah. know. But it was funny that I'm directing guys around when I'm nobody, and they're like, they've done so much. But in you their can't career. say you're nobody, though. You may have felt like you're not as <laughs> you're not as strong in, in, in reputation as they are, but you don't. You can't count. Listen, man, you're now 20, 30 years into what you're doing. You can't yeah. be a nobody. Well, I guess the way of looking at it is, there's some good restaurants, but sometimes the home cooking at mom's house is way better than, or always is better, better than the restaurant. Restaurants. You just don't know about the restaurant, right? So then I, I so anyway the album's called Welcome to D and and when I came out with Corporate Pig album that's when I came out with my apparel mm-hmm. Welcome to the D I said you know I like this brand so I went and I trade I said let me trademark this and I had um, I trademarked it I made sure I went through the um, government liaison services which mm-hmm. I'm not required to do they do a very extensive search because I don't want to step on anybody sure. else's intellectual property and I don't want to have a problem later yep they give me back a book with a green cover. And with all the other stuff, and says, "Hey, you're the first guy to market." Trademarked it. I have it in three categories. I presented it to the the Visitors Bureau through Vanessa Denha and to the Detroit Tigers. I had no. I played baseball with one of the kids who was his nephew there and stuff. And then both of them stuck it to me. And they did the whole. They did Welcome to the D Night of Comerica Park with all their shirts and hats and Rory the Tiger and press release and all that BS. And my, we sent him a letter and just said, "Look." It's cool. You guys did that. Let's just work together. Big deal. I'm a, I'm a guy who wants to work with people. Yeah. Okay. For example, the Pistons played Welcome to the D at their games when um, Bill Davidson on the team. They play it after the anthem and before tip off. You know, my trade with them was We'd, they were really cool. They said, you know what? We got tickets for you to come down to the game. You and your family bring your kids. And That's I come awesome. down. It was a fair. I don't care. I'm not a greedy guy. You know, no. these guys are malicious man who's these guys the illiches and the detroit visitors are malicious no, very malicious not, the illiches are a pretty reputable awesome family for detroit they've done so are well are you serious have you have you seen the terrible illiches website with 3500 people on there they 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 took this city by storm like and what they did in the you know past is one thing but what it, they did they it recently took advantage of yes. all the tax dollars yes. that were for example i went to uh, Detroit, a music school in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Okay, I volunteer. I'm part of the D-Man Foundation. I'm a board member. We do. Mm-hmm. We help the guys with, you know, which I'll talk about in a minute too. It's an awesome foundation. So my friend called me. He's like, we want to help these kids to get scholarships to music school that are from Detroit. Yep. So we go to the Detroit Music School for the Arts. They don't, they didn't have music theory classes. I'm like, why don't we have music theory classes? Like, well, we're getting that. We don't have the funding to have this class to teach these kids this and get the equipment and this and that. I'm like, this is all the funding that was given to the arena mm-hmm. yeah. that was supposed to go for these kids. Yeah, you know, it's just it's just disgusting when you see that people with this much money that they, they just it never ends. That whole the terrible Ill, according to the terrible illegis site and they had they have they linked to everything to show you where they get their money, why they put. The, Detroit, the Mike Illich School of Business by the stadium and not by Wayne State because it, it released $210 million more in tax breaks that they got. And all. Why do these people do this? And they didn't have to stick it to me. I want to work with them. And then they did, to go further, they did the World Series you mm-hmm. know, theme around my trademarks, Welcome to the D, the banners, Lameth. I have everything saved. I took photos of everything. Yep. And then, you know, the Visitors Bureau, same way. And then, you know, when you go to court, you find out that everybody's bought and sold. And then you find out judges that were on your case are getting their photos taken with these people and all this all this crazy stuff. And that's Sixth Circuit even going that far. Anyway, that's all. It is what it is. I still own the clothing line. Here's a guitar yep. pick with my trademark, yep. the D. I've got incontestability. Uh, so I'm going on my 20-year renewal for Welcome to the D. Three categories on that. Two categories on the D, which yep. are also incontestable. Slight return, trademarked, incontestable. So Detroit. Um, it's a Detroit thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a bunch, a bunch of trademarks, Good. you know, and all done properly. So, and that's what so. What are you doing with the trademarks? Mm-hmm. Like, where's the opportunity for maybe somebody out there that wants to partner up with you and run with? Uh, yeah, anybody who wants to partner with me, I'm very flexible. We'll just work out a licensing percentage. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you go to welcome to the D.com, you can see all the different merch that's on there. That I have tons mm-hmm. of stuff every. Thing you can buy. And that's some of it right here. Yeah, this is a few things here. Like the, yeah, these are original designs. My artist is Welcome in uh, D, and you got Detroit, and 
And you've got yeah, those are like piston rings out of a car with a 313 area code in the piston rings. Yep. Oh, I see over here. 313. Yeah. Nice. Yep. And then there's my original Detroit logo right there, That's the right Welcome here. D. And there's my slight return shirt. Okay. We got the hats. And this is these are all original material. My artist is uh, Errol Ox, who's been with us from day one from Slight Return. He, nice. for slight, he makes uh, in-game rendering for Sony. Okay. Works directly for them for their, mm-hmm. a lot of their big games. Um, I, you know, I've been so lucky to be surrounded by an incredible team. Bill Von Linsway, a friend of mine, been with us from day one, does incredible artwork, posters. We've got these ridiculous posters that he makes for gigs that are so cool. Um, just surrounded by an incredible – No, nobody is in – you know, if it wasn't for the team, mm-hmm. you can't make it. So right. so question for you is um, you, you did this – you know, the music and all this stuff here. Are you working with any newer, younger Chaldean generation that's looking to get into some of the rock and roll, some of the music? Have you had that experience? No, because none of them it's, – it's strange because the, the – listen, I love our community. Yep. But mm-hmm. there's sometimes there's, there can be a – uh, I'll call it a love-hate relationship. What I, I love the way we stick together. I yep. love the way we're very respectful of, you know, most of us are very respectful of each yes. other. What I don't like is we we don't have an appreciation for the arts. And we, we feel like unless it's a monetary, a really strong monetary, which I understand, you got to make a living. Yep. But it doesn't mean you can't take a music minor. Yeah. You know, you can't have your major and your minor if you want to have your regular business. But the arts give you something very intangible. Besides helping you in artistic fashion they'll help your business too because you become more creative yep um but there are a lot of intangibles that you can't explain to somebody that you get when you write a song when you you know art artwork mm, music sure. there's something that that hits you way deeper than any uh, dollar will ever hit you and you can't explain it to people unless they're in there doing it and i really wish our community would allow their children to get more into that let's let's forget about yeah, we know there's people things they have numbers, material goods, but mm-hmm. you know what? There's things that are that are priceless. You know, it's kind of like it's like your reputation for your family, right? It's yeah. like that's pri- you can't put a price on that. Being a good human being, being good to people, taking care of people. There's no there's no price for that. It's right. it's the same thing with the arts. You know, let's talk about your family. You, you, yeah. you, uh, your mom, your dad, your mm-hmm. grandparents. Who were let's let's go do family tree time sure. for a minute. So my grandfather came here in 1929. He came from Iraq to escape the family being killed by, you know, our, persecution. You know the situation, yep. persecution, religious yep. persecution. Uh, and then it took him until 1936 to get the uh, the family here. Mm-hmm. And so, and then my dad was born here and my uncle was born here. What years was this? This is in, my dad was born in 38. Wow. You've been here a long time. Yeah. Yep. So that so would make you second generation for your yep. age. That's beautiful. Yeah. So we, and then my dad and my uncle... So my, my grandfather started a business here in uh, 36 in Detroit. And what then was that? It was, uh, I forgot the name of the market. It was on Hamilton. It was a market, okay. Yeah, yeah, mar- small market. And then my dad and my uncle became partners in in the 60s, the two bro- the two sons. And they had a store called K&G on Kirchhoff and Garland. And then this store got burned down during the 67 riots. They rebuilt against everybody's uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. advice. They rebuilt. And then we bought a store on Linwood and Davison, and that was really the store I grew up at. And we had bought that from from uh, A&P. And so from when I was a little kid, you know, six years old, give you a spray bottle and room to get the hell out of the way. Kanji, same thing. Kanji, okay. So we were there for 32 years. I spent, man, my, my whole life there. And then and then my dad and my uncle retired. Now me and my brother. Kanji Liquor? No, or KNG, KNG Supermarket. So KNG Supermarket and KNG Liquors right there too, right? No, KNG Liquors on Connor. Oh, Connor. Okay. In fact, people used to call our store by mistake all the time. I oh, want, KNG, give me two yeah, pizzas. Yeah. Con- yeah. <laughs> Shoemaker and Connor. Yeah. So yeah, that's my my old neighborhood. So you know, we did uh, the KNG thing, and in the '80s, we opened my. So it was me, my cousin, my me, and my brother, and my three cousins. So we opened some more stores. We have one in Dearborn Heights called Saturn uh, Marketplace, mm-hmm. one in Detroit called Saturn Foods. And then in 2007, we, we opened the two Heartland stores, mm. one in Westland and one in Farmington Hills. Yep. Um, and I actually wrote a song called 69 Days Till Freedom because it took my grandfather 69 days to get here, herded in on a uh, on a merchant ship to get here, wow. and it ended up on the first round gra- Grammy ballot last year. And Vicious Tides is on the first round ballot in four categories this year. What does that mean, uh, first round ballot? So there's there's – basically two tiers about the first round you submit to the academy mm-hmm. if you're within 
if the product is properly done and everything is proper, mm-hmm. you're allowed to be on the first round Grammy ballot. So the first round ballot then gets whittled down to the nomination ballot. Oh, I got you. Okay. And then that's it. Then you you know you win. But gotcha. Uh, so who's your dad? Who's your grandpa? What so were, George, my grandfather was David Casa, okay. and he started the first Chaldean Church in the United States. Oh wow. Yep. And then my my dad was George Casa. He passed away. You know. The rest is yeah, Thank you. Thank you. My dad was awesome. That's who, really, who taught me everything. An incredible person. Um, in our store, I mean, anybody who came in, even if somebody was shoplifting, he'd stop and <laughs> say, no, no, what are you taking? He'd look at what they take. If they're taking, like, a, a, a truck roast. Yeah. And, yeah, he's like, wait a minute, you're hungry, aren't you? And they say, yeah, I got two kids. We don't have any thing left. He's like, go load up a shopping cart. Oh, fuck. And he told every single employee in our store, if you ever let somebody walk out of the store hungry, you're fired. Wow. So we were like, I remember during the, uh, remember when the big power outage happened? Yes. We had, um, what happened was when I came to the store yep. to get everything out of the store in the morning, that so I told my employees, meet me at the store 6 a.m. the next morning. And I got to the store, I was swarmed by everybody in the neighborhood. Yeah. And they were like, because they were panicking. Oh, yeah, yeah. They couldn't get food. Watch. I said, listen, please, please. Everybody, I was worried they're going to riot. Mm-hmm. I said, everyone, please just line up single file across the side of the building. I said, nobody will leave here without food. All the frozen and meat and dairy were all still good in the counter because the power yeah. was not that long. Yeah. I gave, first, I gave all the customers that for free. And then wow. it's going to go It's going anyway. Yeah, just yeah, give yeah, it to yeah, them. Yeah. At yeah. least feed somebody. Then I said, single file around the building. Anything you need, we're going to get it for you. I shut one door. And put a cart across the front. I brought a tray down with quarters, singles, fives, tens, and a, a solar calculator. I rounded everything down. If it was 140, I made it 125. You know, if mm-hmm. it was 475, I made it four bucks. I had one of my employees stand at the end of each aisle and they just call off what they want. You know, family wanted baby formula and water to set. We gathered it all for them, rounded it down. I stayed the whole day till every single person got taken care of, then locked the doors and how went much, home. How much did you do that day? Oh man, I can't remember. It was all, it was a lot, but it, you know what? The the <laughs> next Focus Hope came and gave me an award the next day. No, really? Yeah, oh, they gave awesome. us. They were like so thankful. They said thank you so much. You you know stopped a lot of panic in the neighborhood. Yeah, yeah nice. What about wife and kids and all that good stuff? Oh, Cousins, Maryland's brothers. My, wa- my wife is Marilyn. I got three mm-hmm. daughters, Kristen, Catherine, Marie. God so bless. Kristen and Catherine will be uh, they'll be graduating college this year, going on to graduate wow. school. My daughter Marie's a junior, at Michigan State. Okay. So. God bless. Yeah, a lot and of family. Brothers. Brothers Dave Casa, Denise Farida, Teresa Amore. So, like I said, we've all been. What do they all do? Uh, well, D- Denise works with her husband, Larry Farida, at their business, which okay. is kind of funny. Their, their liquor store was just featured in Forbes magazine. Which, uh, <laughs> I've never Wagon heard of a liquor store in Forbes. Which, uh, Red Wagon, Red Rochester. Wagon. Yeah. Larry's a good guy. Oh, man. Best. Larry's a great yeah. guy. Yeah, he's a good guy. Great guy. Fun-loving he, dude. And yeah, yeah. He knows how to run business right. Oh, yeah. I, I dude, Sharp. He's yeah. got a very creative way yeah. of, of, like, he's so smart the way he... Sharp as a tech. Like, yeah. designs yeah. stuff and does stuff. Yeah, yeah he's really, really Classy, smart. Classy, too. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Larry's a great guy. My brother Dave is awesome. My sister-in-law, Jeannie, she's an audiologist. And my wife, my wife doesn't work. She's a housewife, but, you know, I'm... She's does a, she write uh, a book? Thank God I got an awesome lady raising our kids. Did she, have, did she write a book? Oh, actually, you know, she was a chocolatier for a while. Okay. And she was doing all the weddings and stuff like that, but it got a, a bit overwhelming. And Sure. So, and then. Uh, and she, she's a twin, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Marilyn's a twin. We used to go to Camp Dearborn with them. And I've been fortunate. I got <laughs> great in-laws, great family in-laws. Very, very lucky. There's you got no John Soroki. John. You got John Soroki. <laughs> Just that alone is entertainment. That's it. That's it. Free yep. entertainment right there. Yes, it is. But no, we're surrounded by great. I've been very lucky in that respect. Surrounded by great people. Good. And uh, any other businesses you want to shout out, or people, or family, friends, cousins? Yeah, I'd like to actually talk about the D-Man Foundation. Oh yeah, let's yep. do that. I love these guys, man. We just had our gala, tenth tenth annual gala. I've been providing entertainment for seven years. So it's called Danny's Miracle Angel Network. Mm-hmm. And uh, Sam Kassab's son, you know, Ziad's yep. brother, yep. Calvin, yep. all awesome first-class people. Mm-hmm. really are. Um, and what happened is, you know, their uh, Sam's son, uh, Danny, had been hit by a car and quadriplegic. And they Ziad and, and his brother they used to include him in everything. They'd mm-hmm. take him in on car rides and they, you yep. know, in a convertible and they took him in the ocean and plane rides and all this stuff. And he loved ther- like the art therapy studio. 
So in his honor, when they passed away, they opened the music therapy studio. And what it is, it's a studio, it's a barrier-free music therapy studio. So people come in, they have closed head injuries, they mm -hmm. have quadriplegic, or it could just be, you know, mental handicap, whatever it is. We get them in the studio, and we have there's a special setup where they can use a sip and puff technique and everything, write their own songs, write their own beats, their own music. We release albums, uh, we release singles. And they reach clinical goals without realizing, right? Somebody comes in, mm -hmm. they can't speak a lot of words a minute. All of a sudden, they're writing their own song. Yeah. Mm. And they write their own verses. All of a sudden, yep. they're doubling and tripling you know, their, wow. their comprehension. And then we have special events. Like the D-Man Foundation uh, took them on, on a boat cruise, which you know is very difficult because you have to have the uh, certified nurses with them and all yep. the equipment and everything. Uh, helicopter rides. Uh, we do the Woodward Dream Cruise every year. We're behind That's the awesome. building on Long Lake and uh, Telegraph. We have a launch pad. We have the Camaro Club, and a lot of other guys come. They don't. They donate their time and bring their convertibles, and we bring hoist, pull them out of their wheelchair, put them in oh, the wow. car. Long Lake and Telegraph, or yeah. Long Lake and Woodward. Oh, I'm sorry, Long Lake and Woodward. Okay, I'm sorry. There's a building right behind there, and we have. A, it's great. We got a tear out pad, so nice. they go flying up and down Woodward and stuff. And you know, we <laughs> have food and live music and. Yeah, those guys do it right, man. They do. Yeah. They do big stuff. That's they're great people. It's good to give back, man. Oh yes, yeah. dude. The number one thing. What's the old saying? Find find your gift and give it away. Yep. You know, people don't get it. Hmm. Uh, a lot of people get it. Yeah, yeah, it's just, I don't know. Whatever I can help with, I'm happy to. This is what I enjoy in life. You know, it's not just about collecting money and all this crap. You know, yeah, you want money? Yeah, you want to have your kids in a decent school? You want to have a but. Mm -hmm. Again, talk about the intangibles in life. We can't yeah. just, not just, uh, you know, gathering and monetary stuff. Of course. You got some friends you want to sh shout out? Anybody that we missed out? Yeah, Big talking? O. Big O. <laughs> Big O. Omar Bin New, Ziad, Calvin. Big O was our first guest on the T -Money show. T-Money Green. Yeah. yeah Big O was our first oh, guest was he? on the show. He's yeah. ditched us so many times. <laughs> yeah. Dude, seriously. What Guy always complains he, he can't drive over yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't want to drive this way. He's too far. <laughs> yeah. Dude, seriously, what an awesome guy. And what a, like, uh. I mean, when you think about what he's accomplished and what he does. He's amazing. Dude, I watch him in the studio. Oh, by the way, on Vicious Tides and Warrior Soul, I mm -hmm. captured guitar tracks with Omar oh, at wow. the studio. So he's part of that album. He's part of that. Nice. He's all part of that stuff. I've recorded it. We recorded stuff together. Now we he's just got did you on tape or on video. Now he's going to ask for a cut. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where's my royalty, big yeah, old, yeah, huh? Yeah. So 100% is zero, zero. So I ain't getting nothing. Yeah, yeah. So what the hell? But, uh, no, I mean, really, you look at the stuff that Omar's done. I mean, when I'm in the studio recording, I just laugh. I'm like, I can't even do that with my eyes open. And when right. he's doing recording, using the, his, the, the program and figuring out what bar you want to punch in and stuff, yeah. it's like, it does. how you doing this, man? You, you appreciate him more as a brother, oh, yeah. as a brother, you know, but he's – Dude, uh, he's got perfect pitch. He's gonna, he knows – here's the note. He knows what it is. He's got – he can play keyboards. It's just – in fact, he did the gig with us, the D-Man show, in last year, too. And, nice. Awesome. Uh, man, just, you know, of course, my wife, because, yep. you know, I couldn't do any of this if, if my wife wasn't always behind me and encouraged me with everything. And she's not even into music. Hmm. In fact, it was actually hilarious because I was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. You know, like, she, it's not that she dislikes it, sure. but she's a pop music listener. No, she's yeah. not deep into music. And then uh, one day I came up to her and I go, I'm a, you know, when I jo joined the Grammys, I'm a voter. She's like, I'm like, you want to go to the Grammy Awards? She's like. Yeah. I go, oh, it's funny you like music now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you didn't give a damn about it later. Right. Before, you know. Yeah. <laughs> the carpet. Well, let's, uh, let's wrap it up. Why don't you tell us what it means to you to be Chaldean? You know, I got a ton of pride in being Chaldean. Like I told you, sometimes I have a love-hate relationship because sure. I just wish we could appreciate the arts more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I tell you the truth, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm surrounded by some great, you know, Chaldeans in the community. And we, we have a great time doing uh, – you know, the Nadi with Omar. And, yep. you, and, you know, I appreciate you guys asking me to come on this show. Uh, it's definitely, you know, I'm not a guy who's out there, even though I'm like, my friends joke with me, like, dude, you're a total white boy. You're not Kelly mm -hmm. anyway. Like, you're only Kelly in values. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, but, you know, there is definitely something deep inside that sticks in you, the pride of, you know, what my grandfather did and mm -hmm. what my dad carried on as his legacy. And uh, just... It's, it's, like, it's something you can't explain. It's just there, yeah. innate inside of you, and it does make a big difference. You know, when I lived, especially with the experiences I've had and seeing how a lot of other communities operate and being, 
you know, being out in, in Holly Weird, you know, mm -hmm. with the crazy community yep. out there yep. in Holly Weird and, and uh, all these different communities, you do see, like, the the importance of having your culture. Again, yes. listen, uh, do I like Chaldean Arabic music at a wedding? No, hell no. Mm -hmm. <laughs> do I, do I, no, I don't. In fact, I'm the first guy in the deck you see out there with a Coca-Cola chilling. Yeah. But, you know, that's not – I don't consider that, like, the big, the big deal in the community. For me, it's not even about uh, – it, it's about – I don't know how to explain it. It's our not culture, really. It's just our culture. It's just there's like when I meet somebody in their Chaldean, there's like it just seems like there's automatic. Oh, hey, yeah. how's it going? You know, yeah, like family's there. Yeah, there's something. There's some type of connection you can't explain. Well, because you're probably related. Yeah, that's true too. We're all <laughs> from the same little village, right? Yeah. Like when the mom, ex my mom explains, yeah. get it the way eyes, get it the eyes. Oh, niece married cousin to you. It's like what? And then you go to the next event and you run into him. You go to somebody, hey, yeah, that, this is my, my cousin. cousin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. This, is my, this is my cousin, Mark. Yeah, how He's many times you go to a wedding, you're related from both sides. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> I've had that. Roy Denha gets invited from both sides, usually. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, it was awesome. Is there anything? Cool. Um, where can people find like your albums if they want to pick them up? Or are you on any streaming right now? Yeah, I mean, so? you can go to the Welcome to the DL. I got on Bandcamp. You just okay. pay whatever you want to grab the whole album if you want. Or... We're on streaming on all the major stores, Tidal and Spotify Beautiful. and all the other stuff, so you can check us out on there. I've got two albums that I'm sitting on that are completely done, mixed, mastered, and done that I can't release right now because okay. Universal does not, want, does not want me competing with my own song on the radio. Yep. Mm -hmm. But I got those two coming out. I got a half of another album I'm already into. Nice. So you got to keep we, grinding, man. You should write a song about keeping up with the Chaldeans. Chaldeans. I could do that. Yes, you and Omar. Wrong. We already yeah. told Omar, just so uh, we're waiting for the other intros. But yeah, I think you should. Is rock it okay one. if it's rock? Yeah. All right. Yeah. What do you mean? Of course. <laughs> do some fun stuff. Put Omar and you guys put something together right. and make it happen. Make it happen. Well, it was awesome having thank you. you. We yeah. wish you the best thank, of luck so with everything, from your clothing line to the music. You've inspired, hopefully, a new generation to follow what you've done and yep. put the time and patience into it. Everyone, we'll uh, be checking you out next week. So we're signing off. Thank Anthony, you. Mark, and I. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you. Yeah. Sweet. Awesome.